We're here today um, with a really special guest, um, one that has been on this podcast before so long ago. I don't even remember what I asked or what we talked about, uh, but we're here uh, up in Collingwood at uh, Special Brewer's Backyard, and uh, it's a real privilege to have Michael Hancock, um, formerly of Denison's and now Side Launch, um, with me today. Thanks, Cass. Michael, thanks for doing this again. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Um, so, for those that uh, don't know Michael, he, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll be embarrassed for me to say that he's a legend in this biz, but, um, you know, we'll get into this, but some of the beers that first turned me on to good beer were, were his. And, uh, and Michael, I'd love to start just by, um, you know, you giving us uh, a bit of your history. For those that don't know, you've been in the business for a long time and done a lot of things. And so, uh, you know, maybe uh, for those that aren't aware of what, uh, what it was like uh, for you um, pre-side launch, uh, maybe just give us a sense of, uh, of uh, your, uh, your career in beer. I'll give a fast forward from 1976. Awesome. But I'll be quick. <laughs> 76, came over here. My mother was Canadian. I'd always looked at this country as a place to grow up, or a place to work anyway. Came over, joined Molson as an engineer and uh, worked two or three years in energy and environmental matters, nationally, uh, provincially, nationally. And then I was selected for the production management training program, which means you'll become management of some kind. That went on for three or four years, and then we parted. Um, And in retrospect, that was probably a good thing. Um, I'm not a big company person. I know that, and so, so do some others. And uh, if we hadn't parted, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So uh, in any case, left. And by that time, I'd met an interesting character who was um, a, a German prince who owned a brewery in, in Bavaria. And he uh, wanted to put a brew pub in Montreal. And we decided that he should. it would be better if he did, did it in Toronto, and I became the brewer. That was the foundation for, for Growlers, Denison's, mm-hmm. 1989. Um, we produced exclusively German beers there. Uh, we started with a pale lager and a dark lager, and then we introduced the wheat beer in 1990. The wheat beer really put us on the map, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, the place basically ran for 14 years. Uh, we didn't make... We might have made money one year out of those 14. <laughs> it was extremely high rent. Yeah. But we made a lot of friends, and the beer made a lot of friends, and we closed in 2003. Um, it was a very sad occasion, uh, but I made it my mission to keep the wheat beer going. Yeah. We did the same with the um, uh, dark lager a couple of years later. Funnily enough, I, I brewed those beers in the very first tanks that Mill Street put into the distillery district. Oh, right. What I became that. their brew yeah. pub. Yeah. Right. They, they were kind enough to give me one of their fermenters, yeah. and I brewed the wheat beer in there. And when it was empty, I then brewed another one and hoped that the kegs would mm-hmm. last until the next brew. Delivered them all in my VW Jetta wagon. I had to put heavy-duty springs in the rear. Yeah. Um, anyway... Uh, we then joined, uh, the, the dark lager was added to that when I f- found I was able to brew at Black Oak as well. Mm-hmm. And then as the volumes increased, I had to move to Cool. Um, 
and we did that in 2008. Uh, in 2009, I, I've really been in a lot of breweries, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Some, someone called me the whore of the industry once. <laughs> I might have called myself that. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, in 2009, I, I started brewing at Amsterdam um, because they had a canning line. And I wanted okay. to can, put the beer in cans in the LCBO. This is when they were still down on Bathurst? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And at, at when, it, when we say brewing, I had to be very, very careful because the Alcohol and Gaming Commission had uh, a definition of who should be allowed to brew and who shouldn't. And if right. you were a contract brewer, you're not meant to be touching anything. It's a very complicated subject that I cannot possibly get into here. <laughs> right. I engaged a lawyer for a while and yeah. uh, spent quite a bit of money trying to clarify the situation. But I always had... Uh, my rubber boots on if I could, and I always claimed I was mm -hmm. engineering backup in case they had any trouble. But that was 2009. Uh, in 2010, I met a group, I was introduced to a group of people by a mutual friend who wanted to put a brewery together in Collingwood. Mm -hmm. And um, let's just say it took uh, three years of planning at least, one year of which I spent trying to convince them to put the brewery in Toronto. Okay. Uh, they were humoring me, I think, <laughs> uh, because we didn't, and I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. Um, anyway, in 2014, uh, Good Friday, we did our first brew at Side Launch. Hmm. Um, it's been a, a, an incredible rate of increase of uh, production. I mean, the, the sales increased 60 to 80% each of the first two years. Wow. We've had three expansions already. I'm glad to say in a way that with the huge proliferation of other breweries now, we have five times the breweries in Ontario as we did in 2010, 2012, I think. Yeah. Things have slowed down a bit, so we're actually growing at a more a sustainable right. rate. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, it's at Cylunch now, it's, it's funny, I mean, I, I remember the crossover from from the beer, your beer from the Denison's brand to the side launch brand. Do you, do people sort of, you know, come in, like, do they still sort of know that the, the Denison's legacy is there or is it now kind of have its own, like, it's more just like side launch today and it's less about the history? Well, we had quite an interesting transition set of coasters and table uh, tents tents and so on that sort of explain the situation but I'd say right now there are a number of people who come in who are interested to hear that we were Denison's or the right. brew pub I've had some people come into the brewery that proudly proclaimed that they got engaged at the brew pub <laughs> so they know, you know we never did a wedding um, I think uh, I think it's pretty well known I mean the amongst licensees the other day I heard that there's a place in Peterborough I won't mention who it is but you mm -hmm. probably got a good idea who uh, one of our sales reps went in there the other day. Actually, it was our VP sales went in there the other day. And he said that they still had a Denison's tap handle. Oh, yeah? Like three or four years later. Wow. He said, you know what? You really should put the side launch tap handle on. And anyway, he uh, apparently... Oh, he was still oh, pouring it using the Denison's handle. Using the Denison's tap handle. <laughs> and he, our VP sales was talking to the bartender. Little did he realize that the owner was sitting yeah. right beside him at the bar. Anyway, the owner explained that he really wanted to keep it that way. But I would say that's a, certainly an exception. Mm. And uh, 
But you're, you're not something I'd encourage. Your old your old Denison stat handle was actually quite something. I remember. I think you might not remember this, but I do. I think it was at the Victory Cafe, and I ended up. I found I, we met by happenstance, and you had a prototype of that tap handle with you, yeah. and you showed it to me because it was just you know it was kind of a momentous occasion, and I remember seeing it before it ever hit, and like you were explaining the intricacies of the design. Was that the one with the wheat chief? Look? Yeah, it had the. the oh. It was like it had like it was sort of twisty. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, made out of resin. Yeah, it was. I wasn't super proud of that one. <laughs> it looked like a like a wheat sheaf meets the CN Tower. <laughs> Um, it was to try and get away from those classic pub handles that yeah, of course. I'd started with with with, with you know, uh, labels that I'd printed myself, designed myself, and printed and lacquered and everything else. And then a lot of other breweries started using those pub handles. Yeah. So you'd look and you'd be you know you'd be one of many. One of it, so yeah, I wanted much. to have something different. Yeah. Um, so besides the wheat. Um, just for my own understanding and, and those that might not know, that is the dark lager also your one of the original recipes from the Denison's days? Yep, the wheat beer is absolutely identical with some minor tweaks. Um, the dark lager, uh, Sidon's dark lager is Denison's Dunkel. Okay. With some very minor tweaks. Um, and then later on when we had some capacity at Side Launch, um, I said we really should make our pale lager, the, what used to be Growler's Lager, which was also known the as original one, Bavarian yeah. Hell. Right. Yeah. And we did, and we introduced it slowly, and the uh, that is what is now our Mountain Lager, um, in the dark blue can. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that is as close to the beer as we used to produce in the brew pub as could be, with one important exception. And that is that for the first five years at the brew pub, we made it with Canadian malt. And I was never terribly happy with it. Um, and in 1995, I was fortunate to meet the Weimann family mm -hmm. on a tour of Europe. And I started bringing in their, uh, their, their, their malt, including their Pilsner malt. And I started making that beer with Pilsner malt. Okay. And in my opinion, it was transformed mm -hmm. into something that was authentic for what it was trying to be, yeah. which is a pale German lager. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I want to ask you about your role presently with Side Launch. Um, and, uh, you know, is it still, are you still actively brewing or is it, uh, you know, a bit of a different kind of role these days? Well, my, my role transformed you know, naturally into being an occasional brewer to, mm -hmm. for vacation relief and stuff right. like that to doing something that I really, really enjoy. And I think I've got a, a you know, a, not a passion, but certainly got the skill for it, which is mechanical stuff, mm -hmm. troubleshooting. The engineering uh, backup, like you there did we go. Uh, back yeah, then. I, well, that's all, it's also in, you know, it's not just my, <laughs> yeah. my training, it's in my blood, I think. But, um, but that kept me... Uh, immersed in the brewery for like years I mm -hmm. you know, hardly got out of the place for four years now and um, what always, I always wanted to do was to get back out in the field and see the people that I used to sell my beer to who yeah. apparently some of them had said where's Michael Hancock you know is he 
chained to the brewery or something. And so this concept of an ambassadorial role came up. Mm -hmm. And um, that is what I am actually starting in earnest, actually, with this festival, mm -hmm. is to come out, uh, be at festivals, chat with the patrons, uh, get out to our bars, the people who've bought our beer over the years, and, and new people, and, and be, be a, the personality behind the way the beer started. I acknowledge I don't make the beer now. Mm -hmm. I've got some very, very, very good brewers who are well-trained and who, who do that on a regular basis, but so that people can understand the heritage yeah. behind it. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's great. Well, happy to have you here today. Um, I wanted to ask you, just because you, you, you mentioned how your role is about seeing a lot of the people that you, you've sold to over the years, What's, how is it different with a beer like your wheat now versus in the older the old days because back then there it would have been i'd say very different whereas now it is but there's an awful lot of other craft beers out there um how's i mean how how how, how is it different now in your perception versus like you know back in the day when it comes to uh, talking about your beer well i would say it was fairly easy 10 years ago because there really weren't there really wasn't a lot of competition i mean there was mm. magnata made a wheat beer i think and muskoka made one yeah. Um, it's obviously a lot more tricky now. I, I will say that the wheat beer still amazes a lot of people, and mm -hmm. it's a fairly easy sell. Uh, it's quite high maintenance sometimes. You know, you've got yeast in the kegs, and yeah. and um, that requires uh, people to know how uh, to know how to handle the kegs and this kind of thing, and what to do when you just tap a keg and so on. But so what I'm glad to say is that there are relatively few other people still making wheat beer. Mm -hmm. And I could say the same for the Mountain Lager. Up until maybe a year ago, I, there weren't any other pale German lagers being mm -hmm. made in Ontario. Well, that is different now. There's at least two or three Hellas that I can think of, or Hell style. Yeah, um, They're good. Uh, got some real competition out there. And, I mean, what has changed selling beer to bars is that it, it's no longer as easy as it was to sort of walk in with beer and they'll gladly put you on tap. A lot of bars have rotating taps. Yeah, A lot of customers seem to want variety the whole time and what's new, what's different, what's crazy, what's wild. Fortunately, they seem to come back, the bars and the customers, to the, you know, the tried and true yeah. uh, beers like like Mountain Lager and like our mm. wheat beer. Well, I was, I, I, I don't want to say the bar's name because I don't want to get it wrong, but I was at a fairly prominent beer bar in Toronto and I asked them about their top seller and I think it was the Mountain Lager. Mm. And they have all kinds of beers that run the gamut of styles. And I think it, I was just having a conversation today with somebody about, you know, there's a, you know, an awful lot of people that like craft beer, but also like to have beers that are refreshing. Yes, yeah. that, that embody <laughs> a lot of sort of beer traits that aren't, you know, sort of crazy, overpowering flavor and alcohol. So it's a really fine line with the mountain lager because, you know, a pale lager can be fairly insipid and uninteresting. Mm. Um, and there are a few of them out there, fortunately or unfortunately. 
it's I don't quite know how we get it, but we get it to the fact that the hops are there, but they're still very delicate. The, the malt character's there, still delicate, and it has that European flavor that I think we associate with with pale beers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We don't want to think of you know, Anheuser-Busch or Budweiser when we think of pale ales necessarily. Exactly. Uh, we, we tend to, at least I, and I think a lot of consumers tend to associate pale lagers with Europe. Mm -hmm. If they're going to have character. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a, a question. I don't know if, if there's an answer to this, but I, uh, you know, I've, after, as you told the story about your history, how, you know, after Denison's closed, the, you know, the wheat came back, the Dunkel came back, the Hells came back. Is there, is there another one that you not would, not will, but would, ha would like to bring back again if you had a sort of a blank, blank tank, as it were? Well, there are others that some may not be aware of. Um, we've, uh, triple was never made at, at the brew pub, but we made a Merzen. We did that with Bose as a co collaborative. Oh, yeah, yeah. A smoked Merzen. Um, we've done a Bock before. Bock sometimes doesn't get a lot of people excited. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a sort of a multi brew, but it went down very well. Um, we've done some interesting things like putting the dark lager in whiskey barrels. Yeah. Um, I accidentally made a Rodenbach. Oh, yeah. A couple of years <laughs> ago. Yes, I will put you in touch with a couple of people that enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah. But um, what we have now is in terms of the future, um, as you get bigger and you get other people brewing within your organization, they um, they can easily get restless if they're cranking out the same old stuff. Sure. And we have uh, Oliver Gator, who I trained at the brew pub in 1999, who's been with us since almost the day we opened. We have also we have Cat Goodale, who just joined us. Um, she's a BJCP certified judge, and these these guys have, a, you know, they want to produce different beers sure. on the on the pilot plant. So we're going to mm -hmm. let them run with it we're going to produce at least two different uh beers that are going to be sold mm -hmm. only within the brewery okay. at first per month and then oh, if cool. any one of those are really successful we'll go we from will, there yeah we'll go from there um i wanted to ask you i it occurred to me as you were talking um is the is the prince still around yeah, has he, is. he has he ever come to side launch after he's, the no, new? Uh, he's never come to side launch. I've yeah. written to him a couple of times. Um, I felt obliged to write to him when Denison's closed. Yeah, and say even though we weren't producing his beers under license, mm -hmm. um, we were producing similar similar beers. Yeah, um, I said, do you mind if I continue producing the Denison's beers for my own personal gain or whatever? He said, nope, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> You know, he was very complimentary, which was great. Yeah. Um, since that time, um, I've spoken to him because uh, the brewery he built in Vail, Colorado, which closed okay. maybe five, ten years ago. The equipment was up for sale. I was interested in it at one time, and I, in, in the end I declined. Mm -hmm. And I think I wrote to him about a year ago just to let yeah. him know what was going yeah. on. Well, that's good to know <clears throat> you're still in touch. Maybe I let him know about our... Brewery of the Year yeah. thing or something like right. that, which was something to be proud of. That was of, cool. So. Um, 
I'd like to, I'd love to ask just, um, you know, you, like I, I mean, you, you used to live in, in Toronto. Now you live up in Collingwood. What's the, what's the beer scene like um, here? We're here doing a festival in Collingwood. We've got five of the local breweries here, including yourself. Um, how is, how, how are things being in a smaller community from a beer perspective compared to your, your days in the big city? I'd say a little simpler, but mm -hmm. sometimes you have the same challenges. You know, you've got the ski clubs who you'll have your beer in from at one moment and then they'll yeah. change for some other reason. I mean, there's always a reason that somebody's on tap. It, it may or may not be because your beer is fantastic. It may be connections or whatever, sure. and that's absolutely fine. Um, it's, it's neat. We've got three or four breweries up here. We see each other on a pretty regular basis. Uh, and, and I love this uh, environment. I call it sort of the big sky, mm -hmm. low-key kind of unrushed yeah. feeling. And I really appreciate it. And so I'm glad to have been lured out of the city. Yeah. Well, it's been a, a really nice day of just hanging out by the water drinking, which uh, is kind of what we were trying to do. And I'm glad it worked out for us. So. And no tornadoes. And no tornadoes. <laughs> um, well, Michael, I mean, it's been great to catch up. Um, it's awesome that, uh, you know, the beers that I remember having way back when um, are still ones that we can enjoy. So uh, so thanks for, uh, for everything you've done in beer, and uh, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Thank you, Cass.